Cheers. 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 Thank you, Steve. Into this edition of Road Trip, and I'm your host, Ellie Clifton, Channing Fry, Richard Jefferson. And our guest today is, you could say, a man of many, many, many talents. Of course, he's the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, an eight-time NBA champion. No big deal. (laughs) He's a heck of a broadcaster. He's above average at that. Definitely above average at that. The only thing that my two guys really care about is he is. He is the GOAT. I'm going to say this. Arizona family. I will say this. He might not be the GOAT. I would say Sean Elliott, but he is definitely part of the apostles, right? If Coach Olsen is Jesus... (laughs) You might be Abraham. <laughs> there wasn't an apostle. There wasn't an. Well, there wasn't an apostle named Abraham. You know what? There was the other apostle. It was the apostle's cousin. <laughs> it's just because oh, your mother's Jesus. a preacher. Your parents are preachers. You know the uh, info, Richard. But you went to Catholic. You went to Catholic high school. <laughs> I did yeah, not. So I don't even know what you guys are talking about. So yeah, yeah thank you. I, I, I don't know let any. Our guests talk. <laughs> Steve knows enough about me and Channing that he's just like, why did I agree to this? Why did I agree to this? Steve, this is the best. best. I'm going to be really honest, Steve. We were super surprised that you agreed. We're like, he knows it's me and Channing, right? They're like, yeah, he knows. I think it's been long enough now since I've talked to you guys that I kind of forgot a little bit about what (laughs) I've You've been in the bubble. You forgot. And right now I'm drinking a, a... this is an Arnold Palmer. Yeah. Oh, good for but you. But I really, I really should have turned it into a John Daly before Ooh. the podcast. I'm not gonna lie, John Daly. You should have. That's a pretty nice. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really Daly, nice. I get it. I get uh. it. Steve, where do you come to us from right now? What bubble are you in? Well, as as Richard calls it, uh, God's country, Rancho Portland. Portland. Oh, Actually, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm in in Rancho Santa Fe in uh, North County of San Diego. Richard Ooh. Richard used to have a house down here. Yeah, that, that did not go. How long ago did you sell it? I probably sold it probably like five years ago, and then I moved to Hermosa Beach. Well, I got kicked out of Rancho Santa Fe. You did? Uh, yeah. No, uh, I wouldn't say kicked out, but more of like uh, sell your home, sell yeah. your sell your home, and don't come back. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was it was because it was me and Luke. And me and Luke Luke's when we fault. were young, it was definitely Luke's fault. They, yeah. they they discriminate against hippies up there. They don't like hippies, and so <laughs> they had to get they had to get rid of Luke. Uh, but yeah, uh, I I missed it. I missed that was people don't understand, and all the fans that listen to our podcast, like you used to talk at our basketball camp. You used to talk at our basketball camp, and we used to hype you up so much, and then. <laughs> When we would play against, when we would play against you guys, like when we had those battles before the Cavs and Warriors, like our fans hate you, your fans hate us, and we're like, Steve Kerr's a really nice guy, and they just <laughs> our, our the Cavs fans just Cavs fans weren't buying it. They were not buying it. They they didn't, Dude, didn't believe uh, it. I hated that Jaron, Nick Uren, you, Andre, Sean Livingston, like half your team, I'm cool as shit with. And I was like, God, I have to learn how to hate you guys. So, like, and even Luke, our first year, was like, hey, you guys want to go out to dinner? And me and Richard are like, fuck you. We're like, <laughs> but I have to text Luke on the side, like, hey, I'm sorry. Like, we have to take this seriously. 
Speaking of that, it was see, horrible. Did you have to deal with that too with Luke on your side then? Yeah, Luke was always talking shit, especially to Richard. Because <laughs> they were Luke and Richard, you know, they they were they were boys. They I mean, best best buddies and owned this house together and so the whole game, if Richard, you know, if he's in front of our bench, Luke is talking shit to him. It was highly entertaining. It really was. You know what's oh, really yeah. funny about that is uh, yesterday we were trying to get, since it didn't happen, we were trying to get Luke to jump on here halfway through and have this whole moment together. And Channing texted me on the side and was like, Ali, I don't know what's going on anymore because Richard and Luke just speak their own language. He's like, and I just yeah, they. <laughs> They just like the, the way they respond to things are so slow and like uninformative. I'm like, hey, I'm like, hey, we're doing a podcast at four today. Okay, uh, we can't do that. Or like, hey, I'm doing. I have a test at eight. I'm like, okay, how long is the test? Channing, I'm doing a test at eight. I mean, dude, obviously the test is at eight. We're trying to get you on the podcast before eight or after eight. Like what? What are you hearing from me? But you know what? I get it. I, under, I, I, I understand so every threat. I under I understand everything. Luke is just in a bad mood because he's in a bubble. Yeah, th there are years that you that you're okay with not being as good as you normally would. If you guys were in the middle of like a championship run right now, it, oh. uh, that one. Which you guys will yeah. probably you guys will be right back there next year. Uh, you guys will be right back in the hunt next year. Are your guys healthy and ready to go? Are they excited? What is your? I want to know what your thoughts on the smaller bubble that they're planning. Well, first of all, we our guys are healthy. I saw Clay. Uh, I went and watched watched him work out a couple weeks ago, and he's he's doing great. Looks great, feels great, ready to roll. Um, Steph's been working out. Um, you know, everybody everybody's good. So now it's just a matter of waiting and you know seeing what what's going to happen. And and yeah, we're we're planning on doing the second bubble in September, but everything's kind of day-to-day, -day, as you guys know, these days. So we're just waiting to hear what, what the league tells us. Damn. Yeah. See, so here's not. a question. Here's an honest question. Was it when you got to the Warriors, right, did you think they could have been as dominant as what you guys were? Or were you like, I think we could be really good but did you in your mind say, dude, we can go and absolutely change the whole complex of the NBA? I know it's a crazy question, but I have to ask. You know, I, I, I thought we could be really good. And I knew we were getting a team that was ready to take another step, you know, because we had, I, I got there in 14. So Steph and Clay were right on the verge. Draymond, I think, had had um, not started a game yet, but had had a great uh, playoff <laughs> series against uh, the Clippers the year before. Remember, they went seven in that series. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Bogut was hurt that series, so they played small, and Draymond was amazing. And um, so we felt like we could be really good, but we had no idea that that the team would would emerge like that. And I think. Draymond, because we didn't, he had never started. We didn't know he was that good defensively. I know I didn't, and so mm -hmm. he really changed things for us. Just his ability to to guard every position and and um, be be the player he is.
Yo, I thought it was, that, that was a moment, yeah, that was a moment where I don't want to call ever an injury being fortunate, right? But with David Lee's injury at the beginning of that year, it put, you know, and David Lee was coming off an all-star year, an all-star caliber year, and was an all-star the year before, I believe. And so then here he comes in and um, you guys were not forced to play a certain way, but you decided to play a certain way and you got off rolling. But had it not been for that, that the way David plays, he's a great scorer, great low post player, all these things, your style of play would have been different. So I'm not saying you wouldn't have got to Draymond in that small ball, but it kind of put you guys in that position pretty early. It did. It did. I mean, we were starting David in training camp and he had a great camp. And like you said, he was an all-star maybe the previous year. Um, mm-hmm. A guy who had been a hell of a player, you know, his whole career. And and so I didn't go in anticipating that we were going to start Draymond. But we, mm-hmm. David got hurt. He pulled his hamstring in camp. So we started Draymond. I think we started like 12-1 and one or something. And yeah. we were rolling. So I pulled David aside. He was getting ready to come back. And we, I, I just told oh. him. We're playing so well. We gotta, That's a horrible conversation. I've had it many a times. Hey, uh, Channing. Uh, it looks like we're going to be doing better without you, Channing. Yeah, so. we, we really feel like you can strike at our second unit. <laughs> there it is. Like, you're like, damn. No, but you that's... from 20 to like six, maybe. <laughs> those, those are the conversations that... that you have to have as a coach, you know, and, and, and you, and the, I had to have a similar one with um, Andre oh, yeah. because, uh, and that one w- was planned, you know, when, when we got there in camp, um, I knew our, our bench unit needed somebody like Andre and, and that Harrison Barnes would be better in the starting lineup. And so I, I relied on our Arizona connection with Andre to kind of uh, <laughs> build that. You, rely, you, re, you, you, you relied on Luke. Like, hey, Luke, I'm going to need you to keep an eye on Andre over there. Because, uh, like, we're on a tech game, like a bunch of Arizona guys, and it's just so funny. Like, Andre is such a, such a great dude. So awesome. Such a, such a competitor. Such a, but he's also a dick. And oh, so, he's such and a Luke, dick. And Luke, and Luke is the nicest dude in the world. So you're like, hey, Luke, uh, your first job as a coach, you're going to have to keep an eye on Andre <laughs> and make sure. But th- was Andre receptive to it? Yeah, he was. He was. And, uh, and he, you know, it was the right time in his career. I mean, he had already played 10 years. He had, he had been an all-star. He had made max money. You know, he was, he was ready for um, a, a change and something different. And, and he recognized this, this was the best team he was ever going to play on. And then, yeah. ironically, you know, he um, he wins Finals MVP, and then he, the title of his book a few years later is the Sixth Man. So, yeah, yeah you know, he em- took to it. He em- he embraced that. And I, I may be honest, Steve. Like he just signed another great deal. You extended his career. You extended oh, yeah. his career. If he if you would if he would have been playing thirty to thirty five minutes over this last five year stretch, I. Uh, it, you know, as as you get older, it gets harder to do that, and it takes more out of your body, your knees, your back, whatever ailments you might have are only going to get worn down quick. So really, you put him in a position to make so much more money on the back end because his career has been – he's been able to embrace that role and do it at such a high level 
that he's still even at the day. Like I think he just signed an extension with Miami, and he's an yeah. old man. He came I mean, in. But, he came into the Chase Center this year. He signed with Miami, and I think like his second game was against us. He got a huge ovation, and typical Andre. He played like 20, 20 minutes, twenty two minutes, and you guys will you guys will know this. Like you look at the box score, and it's like eight points, six assists, five rebounds, no turnovers, plus twenty seven. Like, <laughs> it was like every game. Like we just every destroyed game. people with Andre out there, but he was beyond the stage of his career where he was getting numbers because he was just he would just control games just mm. because he was so smart and versatile. And but he was he was unbelievable to coach, man. I love that guy. Or did, now, did you guys both play with Andre or no? No, just me. I did. Just Channing. Just Channing. Just Channing wasted Andre's best years at Arizona. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll say not. this. Here, here's what I'll say. And you guys know I put Coach O above everybody else. But at that time, everybody had a position. You were a center. You were a forward. You were, you know, a small forward. You were a shooting guard. You were a guard. Andre should have played point guard for us while we were there. He had the most triple doubles. He was really the point guard. He made the best decisions. I think Andre's mind when it comes to basketball is top three of anybody I've ever played with. That's including Braun, Steve Nash, Grant Hill, Vince Carter. Andre's mind when it comes to basketball mm -hmm. is top five all time. He always does the right thing. Now, when he does the right thing and you don't, he's kind of a dick about it. <laughs> but he does not care about stats. He does not care about anything else except winning. And that, to me, puts him as, like, one of the most, like, amazing players I've ever played with. When we were at college, he was doing stuff to make so many other people better. We didn't even understand it at the time because the league, the game was not ready for his versatility. He was like, you know, and Steve will know, he was like our Scottie Pippen where he would guard a center and then he would guard a guard. He would guard a two-guard, then he'd guard a, a forward, or he'd guard a post-up guy. Like, Andre could do it all. And just did it without saying, like, giving the attention for it. He just did it because it's like, I could do it and I want to win. And yeah. that, you know, I hate saying this. I hope he doesn't listen to our podcast. He's worth he some does. pressure. He doesn't have him. Can we stay on the Arizona uh, kind of theme thing, which pains me to say because, Steve, I'm sorry. I have to listen to these two brag about Arizona all <laughs> the time. However, I did make a trip there over All-Star this year. We did a podcast on <laughs> And I went to the, um, the arena, which was amazing. Um, I, you guys, kudos. Mikhail yeah, Center. Mikhail Center. It's a shrine. It was pretty dope. But I've heard a lot of stories about their time at Arizona. And then I was told that you were there when the Revenge of the Nerds was yes. made. <laughs> what, what kind of stories can you shed for us? By the way, I haven't seen it. So. You have seen you it? Haven't seen it. I, <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen a whole lot. That one included. But when I heard that you were there during that time and I was going to hear about it, I'm like, I should probably watch. Well, my wife was an extra. So. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yes. Yes. Marco, what you doing? Right? But we still, my kids and I have all looked for her every time that movie's come on and there's still no sign of her. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but she she claims that she's in the movie. We we But so... If Channing, if you if you next time it comes on, if you see her, let me know. Listen, 
I'll watch it tonight. We've been watching due to Corona. We watching everything. Actually. What are some of your your favorite memories of Arizona, Steve? Um, well, going to the Final Four in '88 um, was an incredible memory, and um, I was actually there, uh, Coach Olson's very first year. We were horrible, so it was. <laughs> It was pretty incredible just to see the rise and be part of that, that uh, the first few years where Coach O just built it from nothing, literally nothing, to uh, we were in the NCAA tournament my sophomore year, and that started the, the streak of, I, I think it was 25 or 27 straight. Steve, why? Uh... What's that? What are we... What are you upset about? Did you hit a nerve? <laughs> yeah. Rich was going to bring it up, but my year was the last year. Okay. We lost <laughs> to Illinois to not go to the Final Four. <laughs> I remember. A little shoddy internet. That was... Uh, it hurts. It hurts my heart. Oh, we're, talking about the in, we're talking about the Indiana game or the, the Illinois game? We're talking about the streak that was started. With Richard loves with Richard loves to see me like cry on the inside. It's disgusting, Richard. Oh yeah, Chan was the first. He was the first freshman through senior group to not make it to a final four. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, Steve, you have you you don't know about that because you went to a final four. I know about it. You went. You Here's went. Here's Channing. Yeah. Yeah, wow. dude, we went. Here's Channing. Um, you know what I blame? I blame the AAU culture. I was the beginning of that, so I blame that culture. What else can I blame? Hold on. Uh, can I? I got to tell you my story about that game. Please. Go ahead, please. I was on an airplane. This was what was uh, was it? Twenty oh five. Twenty oh five. Is that different? Two thousand five. Two thousand. What year was it? Two thousand five. Sorry. <laughs> 2005. So I was on a plane uh, from New York to, to San Diego. And I decided I was going to tape the game. And I, I didn't check the score or anything. And I land and I look at my phone and I've got 20 messages. And I'm like, Man, people would not be calling me if we lost, right? So I'm excited. I'm like, oh, yes, we won. So I hit the first message. I say, I say screw it. I can't, I can't wait. I got to find out what happened. I hit, hit the first message. It's my buddy, Danny Ferry. Danny says, Stevie, congrats. You guys are going to the Final Four. Amazing. Um, you guys are up 15. You know, three minutes to go. I'm so, so happy for you. And I'm in the airport like, yes, yeah, I was so excited. And then the very next message, it's my wife. She goes, do not watch the game. <laughs> and that was it. And, I, and now I'm completely confused. I'm like, what the hell just happened? And that's when I, you know. I had to play it. It was absolutely unreal because I've never... And now looking back, I have to give credit where credit is due. Illinois guards started playing out their mind. They, we got very comfortable at the pace of the game. 
And when they pressed us, they got so many points off turnovers and they were shooting from God knows where. In 2005, people were not shooting where mm-hmm. Steph is shooting from. Mm-hmm. But Darren Williams, Richard, shut up. <laughs> you didn't, Richard, you didn't win a championship until I was there. So let's talk about that. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I guarantee you, speaking of that championship, Steve was very worried every time you stepped on the court. All Steve of- used to put in guards every time. He wouldn't let me play against Bears now. <laughs> Fucking Steve. Steve, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I try to tell everybody this. Please. You feel bad at all, all that every time that Channing went to the scorer's table, he sent a guard in there. <laughs> Like a dick that couldn't even I'm be mad. I'm going to let like, you guys Steve. handle this. No. I was like, fucking Steve. <laughs> Every time Bears Jow would go in, they, T. Lou was like, yo, Channing, get in there. I would run, and Steve goes, man, Channing, come on. Andre, get in. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> God, well, man. you you would just hit like eight threes every game in the conference <laughs> finals. Like, we are not, we are not no. going down that path. No, hell no. Listen, I'll tell you this. I played four possessions. I think Steph got a switch every time. And I say, you know what? This ain't me. This is Braun and Kyrie's time. Look, they don't buy my check. Ain't worth this amount. I don't move my feet like this. I'm not that talented. I got you here. It's up to y'all. I tell LeBron this. I'm going to tell you this. Sometimes you need somebody to boost you to the spot. And then after that, it's up to you. For me, I was there with right next to uh, 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 Delhi and Mozgov and Mo Williams, we were chill. We just knew it was our time. I've been there. I've been there many times. You, you, you still got a ring, right? Ooh, you, you know what? <laughs> you know what? I look at it every it's day. Easy, when I brush it's, my for, it's easy for Steve to talk about that because he's got like nine rings. Steve, let me ask you this question because we talked earlier about how tough it is to have those conversations as a coach with players. Um, you talk about the way in which you won your rings as a player, but you were also a GM in Phoenix. What is the harder role, the harder position? Being a coach, a GM, or being a player winning titles? I think being a, being a GM is the harder position. I think, um, coach, you're, you're on the floor every day with, you you um you you really have a i mean i i, I don't know you you kind of know what you need to do with if you're a gm you have a blank slate you have a million opportunities to do whatever you want and you you have to chart your own course as a coach you you look at your roster it's not that hard if you know basketball if you you get along with people you just you kind of lay it out and and give the team your vision and you find the lineups that work. And as a player, you know, we've all been playing our whole lives. If, if you get to the NBA, generally you've played your whole life and you love the game, you just play. Being a GM was, that's the hardest. I was not a good GM. Although I did sign Channing off the scrap heap, so. Yeah! How you convinced me to turn down $20 million to take 1.2 for two years, I still to this day don't know. What? You didn't know that. Somebody was giving you $20 million. I would have told you to take the $20 million. No, 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 no. But listen, here's the deal. At that time, off the books, somebody said, hey, your value is this. Now, 
we can't officially offer you that. But I knew for me, if I were to take that 20, because remember Travis Outlaw took that 20, right? On the, he took the 20 the year before I did. And he was put in a position to be okay, but I didn't feel like they were developing him or like investing in him. And so when I got to talk to Alvin and you and Griff and everybody, I was like, dude, you guys are going to like give me a chance to be me. And like Alvin goes, hey, I'm going to give you a chance to start and you probably might start half the games. And I said, dude, half? I'll take half. It's better than zero. And no lie, if you look at 2010, I started half the games with Robin Lopez. And Alvin would tell us the week before he goes, hey, we're playing so-and-so, Robin and Amari are going to start, or Channing and Amari are going to start, or Lou Will. Whenever we play Golden State, he'd be like, Lou Will and Amari will start just because of the lineup. And so for me, I respected that. Like, I didn't care about starting or sitting or whatever just because you're going to get minutes if you're balling, if the lineup is right. And so, like, that type of attitude and that type of opportunity was something crazy other than, like, the why of my five, those guys are going to start over everybody. Now, that's rare in NBA. You get a starting five that is literally a, a better matchup than everybody else. Yeah. Right? For me. You know, like, listen, you got 10 teams that can do it. The rest, you may have to move some things. Uh, Steve, what did you – I know it's been a, a hot minute, but I actually have um, a question that will come off of it. What did you think of the Bulls documentary? Uh, it was it was fun to watch just because it was, um, you know, it was a long time ago now. And a lot of that footage we hadn't seen. I hadn't seen. So I watched it with my kids, and um, they were fascinated. They were little toddlers at the time, so kind of fun to look back at it. Isn't it funny how much, like, the NBA has changed from, like, when I was a rookie, even in your last year to now. But, like, 10 years prior, 15 years prior from, like, your first year to your last year, isn't it crazy the things that were just kind of acceptable? And it still is, like, modern basketball. Like, late 90s basketball is modern basketball. Same coaches, still players, stuff like that. Bench just retired. And it's just, but it's completely different. Totally different. Yeah. Like eight people standing in the lane all the time. (laughs) Nowhere to go. And and all all of a sudden, you know, 10 years later, it's like everybody can shoot a three, you know? Crazy. Nobody can shoot a three. No one can shoot a three. Even you, it's like you think about it. That's why it's so hard to compare eras when you're like, oh, well, Steve Kerr or how many three-point shots Larry Bird did, uh, you made. And you're just like, well, look, at the end of the day, Chan- Channing, what is, what are you and Herbert doing? What is Channing doing? Is Dude, uh, I, cannot, is I barely hear you guys. My speaker went out somehow. <laughs> this is some bullshit. <laughs> My speaker went out. <laughs> this, is, this is every episode. Hold on. I, I got a little speaker no here. Hold on. Don't worry about me. I have no me. idea why we have Y'all keep going. Band. This looks interesting. Um, I just can't hear you. <laughs> Steve, Steve, the uh, well, It's very interesting. Yeah, I think it's good. Uh, when people, when I, when I go back and watch that, oh, and I, here we I go. people, oh my geez. Oh, I'm back. Look real good right now. <laughs> no, we make, we make, we make Lute Olsen look like a saint. We make Lute Olsen look like a saint. What, uh, what I was going to say is like, as much as like, I love Draymond, I had him as a rookie. I would pick Draymond on my team any day of the week, but with all of the stuff going on, like when I was like, man, Steve does such a good job of managing those personalities. And then I go back and watch the Jordan documentary and I'm like, oh, that's why Steve is so good at managing. <laughs> that was my exact, 
question. I'm so good at managing a bunch of crazy personalities. <laughs> That's my exact question because I, I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, I admire Draymond. I do. I admire him from afar. I always have. I grew up a huge college basketball fan, so watching Ohio State, I'm from Ohio, uh, Michigan State thing. I do. I admire him. But there was always something that, like, especially covering that series, um, as a sideline reporter for the Cavs, Steve, I always wonder how and why you're so successful at managing that energy, that fire, and doing it in such a positive way. Like encouraging Draymond, and I, I imagine that it has a lot to do with your relationship with him. Um, but just what that's like, and then to Richard's point, you watched in that Bulls documentary, and like, wow, you kind of understand where your experiences were, and have a better understanding, I guess, of what that relationship. I, yeah, I, I had, I've had some great mentors, you know, between um, Coach Olson and Pop and Phil Jackson, Lenny Wilkins. I mean, I've I've played for nothing but Hall of Fame coaches and. And Phil, in particular, really taught me the importance of kind of letting people be who they are. You know, as long as as long as they stay on course during the course of the of the season, you know, if they veer off course, you you know try to nudge them back on. But you you have to let people be who they are to get the most out of them. And Draymond's strength is his emotion and his passion. So, you know, sometimes it goes over the top and it bubbles over and and um, but at the end, like like Richard said, you know, we're rolling with Raymond every day because mm-hmm. he's a winner and he's loyal and he's he's an unbelievable competitor and um, so it's you know you just try to try to find that balance. Let him you know let him be himself, but um, keep keep trying to push him. You know, if, if 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 Draymond were to tell you he needed two days to go to Vegas just to blow off some steam in the in the, in the middle of the season, what would your you know look look? It worked for Dennis, and like you you were there for that. Like let's not even say Draymond because I don't want to make it seem like Draymond is such a professional. I don't I don't want to make it. I don't want to put his name on that. But let's just say a player. Sure, sure. <laughs> I've I've, uh, I've actually done that. Oh. Not not Vegas, but um, I've uh, I I talk to guys periodically and just say uh, I think I remember know. this a little bit of maybe there's a golf trip somewhere. I, I think I think I've I think I've heard some of these stories, Steve. We don't have to get into any details. There may there may be golf involved. Uh, I, <laughs> no, I, I think uh, th- that was that was definitely something Phil was really good at. Was uh, and Pop was good at that too, like recognizing that the season is such a grind that you got to, you got to get away every once in a while and you can't exactly say, all right, you know, take a week off and go to Hawaii. So you got to pick your spots and mm-hmm. give somebody a day off. Or if you're on the road somewhere, um, you know, go do something different. Um, try to get the guys in a position where they can uh, fill up the cup. That was pops uh, pops phrase. He always talked about filling up the cup. You guys, you know, get away from the game. For a day, go fill up the cup, go do something fun. We we try to do that because the, the season's too long. Otherwise, it'll just grind you, grind you down. Yeah, especially when it's long over multiple postseasons. Yeah, is that why um, the biggest thing is just because the season's just too long? Yeah, and too, and too emotional. And and I mean, Richard and Channing know it as well as anybody. I mean, when you when you go all the way to the finals, the emotional stress is worse than the physical stress. You know, you got two straight and you know you have you, you have game one of a series 
and then you have the next day off. It does not feel like an off day because you spend the whole off day thinking about your performance in game one and what you have to do in game two. And then you multiply that and then, you know, the, the next series and the next series after that. And after, by, after a couple of months, you can't. <laughs> it sucks. That's how mentally you are. And then to do that multiple years, like you guys did, like we did, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, it's exhausting. And I think that's why ultimately you just aren't going to see teams make runs, you know, much longer than, than four or five years. It's just yeah. too it's, much. It's too- I think one of the, one of the most incredible stats of all time is LeBron going to the finals eight straight years. That's, that's insane to me. Is it nine? Yeah. Is it eight? No, it's eight. It's eight. He's been there nine total times. It was. I think the biggest trippy part for me is that he took. He went to Cleveland, obviously, and Kevin Love, Kyrie, no playoff experience, not a lot of playoff experience on that team, and still took the team. Kevin gets hurt. Kyrie gets hurt. But it was just, just even. And then his. I think his most impressive years to me, outside of the championship, is the first year where Kevin got hurt and taking a very inexperienced team, and then his last year. His last year, uh, where they lost to you guys uh, in in four, uh, twenty eighteen, wa- twenty eighteen, watching him do that with not not nearly the same amount of talent he had, as he had had in the prior couple of years, like those, the, that's that's exhausting, poor yeah. guy. Yeah, but he, you know, everyone's always marvelled at his physical endurance and strength, mm-hmm. but the mental grind. I mean, you you just think about you know the the the, the last dance and the Bulls run. I mean. You know that Michael faced the same kind of scrutiny, uh, maybe even more so than LeBron, although in a different era, so it, it manifested itself a little differently. But you know, he Michael, he went away. He 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 had enough. He said, "I'm going to go play baseball for a couple of years." And yeah, and he returned totally rejuvenated because he got some time off, and and um, and I think he needed that desperately. And then. And you think about LeBron, he just, he's a machine, man. He just keeps going and going and going. It's, it's incredible. Steve, would you have taken, would you have taken less money to stay? Or would you have, to, would you have stayed? MJ was like, we could have got these guys back. Would you have stayed? I saw that. It was, it was really funny because that, he said that at the very end of the. Very, uh, very end. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he said, he specifically mentioned Judd Bushler, Bear Down. Yeah. Bear down. <laughs> he goes, those, those guys would have stayed. He's like, Judd, Steve, they would have taken one-year deals and stayed. Judd and I, neither one of us had ever made like big NBA money at mm-hmm. that point. Um, and that, that summer, we both got, got paid for the first time in our careers. Yeah, you were gone. I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, mean, I, I went to the Spurs. He went to Detroit. We we both bought our houses. You bought you you bought that house you're living in right now. Where I'm sitting, there's a pool on the other side of my computer. The Spurs paid for that pool. (laughs) That's so. So everybody, you heard it here first. We love MJ. He is he is he is the basketball Jesus. But at the end of the day, some of these guys are going to leave. Scotty Pippen was going to take that money. Everybody was like, MJ, we appreciate this, but we got to go. Yeah. We got to go. Rings can't feed families. Yeah. Rings yeah. don't feed families. <laughs> I want to live in North County of San Diego when I'm done, MJ. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what was it like being a teammate of his? It was uh, – it was – 
interesting because he he just lived a different life. You know, he just he couldn't go out, so he uh, he just stayed in his in his suite with his with his security guys, and they played cards every night. And you know, the rest of us would go out, and he he just would never really socialize much. But but he was, um, I mean, he was he, the the I thought the documentary captured it really well. Like he was. You know, he was so dominant, and so you just kind of knew if you just did your job, you were probably going to win the championship. So it was a pretty good deal. Um, I want to talk about, because, Steve, you have a unique, you know, perspective because you played for, in so many different areas. You've coached against so many greats, but you've also you've been in the broadcast booth and I, you know, remember watching you there. I actually stole one of your, one of your things. Um, I, I give you credit often because you, um, I, when I was starting to doing this and traveling, working, like there's so many games and you're trying to do these notes. And then I got like my best, my, 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 the best player on my high school team. One of my best friends to this day, he helps do all of the notes for me. And then I study said notes, I study said notes. And so, uh, uh, that, that was the trick that I, I picked up. I overheard you talking about it at one point in time. Like you watch the games, but those notes are the bitch. Yeah. Those are the real bitch. But how do you think that the game is covered now? Like it's just 24 hour and it affected your team, not in like a, in a different way, but just that you guys were the best team and you have so much attention. Like you've been in the media, you saw how Jordan was covered. You've done all of these things. Like, how do you think that the, the media is covering teams? Do you think it's too much? Do you think there's too much 24 hour news cycle when it comes to the NBA? Uh, yeah, but it, I think it just mirrors life. You know, I mean, I think there's, there's too much coverage of everything to the point where like all day, every day on social media, everybody's going back and forth, whether it's about politics or sports or whatever. And so, you know, back then, like when I was a broadcaster, it was kind of before Twitter really became a big deal. Um, when I was a player, I mean, social media didn't exist. The internet, you know, was in its <laughs> just, yeah. infant stages. So you could get away from everything pretty easily. You know, if you just avoided the like turning turning on talk radio and mm -hmm. you didn't read the morning paper you could go you could leave practice go home do whatever you wanted to do go to sleep and you wouldn't hear or see one thing about the bulls or the nba and if it was really easy to make that decision and now you can't do it because we all have this stuff coming directly into our phones and we're all addicted to our phones and, and the information is constantly streaming in. And so it makes it really hard, I think, to be a, an athlete or somebody in the public eye just because you're, you're being judged 24-7. And it does cause, uh, it causes, um, you know, just a, a lot more possibilities for, for friction. Mm -hmm. Dude, here's the thing. When Steve talks, I kind of listen. Because I remember after the San Antonio series when I was in Phoenix, Steve sat me down when we were playing the Lakers. And I had literally, like, reached the bottom of the barrel. Remember, I was shooting, like, one for 20 or something like that? And Steve goes, Channing. He sat me down and goes, Channing, did you ever think you would be here? I said, fuck you. <laughs> I said, Neither did I, Channing. You have a great wife. You have a kid on the way. Like, your life is good go out there and just hoop and have fun. And he gave me some story about how when he was on the Bulls, 
He was missing a lot of shots, but he made a bunch. And then, but all I heard was, Chen, go out. Go out with your wife. Have a good dinner. Grab a bunch of drinks. And just realize where you're at in life. And it'll all come to you. But mm-hmm. literally, he told me that before uh, Ron Artest caught that air ball, the night before oh. Ron Artest mm-hmm. caught that air ball, and made that goddamn layup. And no offense, rest in peace, Kobe. He was out of bounds. But it, it changed my life because my attitude about everything was, dude, even if I absolutely suck today, this is awesome that we get to play basketball. <laughs> so my whole attitude towards basketball changed from that moment. Because if Steve would have known, I was crying in the car after every game. <laughs> like, you're shit. You're good. Shit. <laughs> well, I feel bad for texting you. Well, you're ruining it for after- everybody. Yeah, I felt bad. Too. And isn't, isn't it funny, though? Because Steve's had so much impact on both of us uh, oh. in, in that sense. What, what a jerk. Dude, what a jerk, Steve. But it was crazy because I was like, you're ruining for Steve Nash and Grant Hill. You're ruining. Make a shot. And I was in the gym. And even the coach was like, Kenny, you cannot shoot anymore. Like, stop shooting. Like, you, it's not going anywhere. It's not, it's not getting any better. We're already in fucking, like, almost June. We're like May 30th. Like, it either it is or it isn't. And it, I just didn't get it. I just wanted to win so bad. I was like, just shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. And they were like, Channing, like, you're not going to... God damn, kids. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but Steve changed my whole attitude. You know that you had, had the same attitude, back like, on Channing. Oh. Well, I'm, uh, I- I'm glad that helped. Because I-, I-, <laughs> I, I used to do the same thing as a player. I would just beat myself up, and it was so unhealthy. But I got to tell you guys this. There's obviously the... Arizona connection, the Bear Down connection, but when you guys went to Cleveland, you you guys changed that team. And Ali, you can probably attest to this since you were around, but I I knew this because I knew David Griffin so well. We had worked in Phoenix together, and that was a pretty tight locker room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You guys went in there, and it, all of a sudden, it was party central. <laughs> it was. And the jokes are flying around, and I'm tell- and Luke and I sat there, and we we're like, "Fuck, Richard and Channing changed the chemistry in that locker room. We don't need that to happen." <laughs> I'm being dead serious. We we knew this. We knew that you guys were had that kind of uh, energy and 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 humor that changed, changed kind of the vibe. And I think that what you guys brought to that team uh, made such a big difference. We could just feel it as opponents. Yeah. It was like a, it was a different team when you guys uh, were there. It was just uh, there was a, a level of, of uh, chemistry that hadn't been there before. Well, Steve, you could have traded for me though. I was in yes. Orlando, Steve. You let trying. me go to Orlando, and you could have traded for me. I was trying. <laughs> I made the pitch, Janik. <laughs> made the pit. Luke shot him down. Luke was like, I don't think we need this type of person. <laughs> Dude. Luke, Luke and Andre. They went to Luke and Andre. He's like, Luke, Andre, what do you think? We can get Channing Fry. We have to give up a third round pick and cash considerations. <laughs> you have to and give up like, two, like, two buttons and three lint balls. No. no, we, no, we, have no to get, we have to give G League tickets and, <laughs> and stale popcorn. And they were like, no, we can't, no. We have it's to give one of them meals from the bubble. 
This is what I remember when you when either one of you guys took a shot in front of our bench. Luke would sit right on on my uh, on my right, and every time one of you guys would go up for a shot, Luke would yell out, "Hell no!" <laughs> <laughs> wow. well, what's crazy? I only took two shots, so yeah, it was well, then it, was, it was usually yeah. Richard. Then it was usually yeah, I, I hated. I hated. He would turn. He would turn. And he would look. He would look at me with that Luke Walton grin, like yeah. yeah. And yeah, I got a, like with a, a lipper. Lipper, you know, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh god, yeah. You think I got I got him there, Steve? And I hated your whole coaching staff. I hated oh. I hated Chris. I hated Chris. I hated Jaron, who you know, obviously, I played with Jason for so many years that me and Jaron became really, really good friends. You obviously, I can't stand Steve. So it was like it was such a funny like series because oh. there was just so much connection going back and forth, but. You know, Steve, like, I appreciate you coming on here, man. You know, I know sure. Shane talks about those moments. Um, I, 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 I kid you not, I remember receiving that text from you, and you were like, I'm watching when we beat you in San Antonio uh, before you went all B- Benjamin but- Button on me. Do you remember sending, sending me that text uh, after we won saying congratulations? But I stand by it, like, you, watching you guys and learning those lessons from my second year that's why I was so locked in, so focused in years, you know, 15. So, you know, as much as we could say Cavs fans, as much as you might hate Steve Kerr, as much as you might hate the Warriors, he's had such a profound impact on myself and Channing, which ultimately helped us get it done in Cleveland. Hang on. Could Cavs fans really hate Steve Kerr when he plays yes. Cleveland? Yes. Yes, they yes. can. Steve, yes, really? they can. Yeah, 100%. They hate Steve. It's Steve's fault. It's all Steve's Steve, fault. Steve was on the phone three-way with Draymond when they got KD. That's his well, fault. And, and on top of it, Steve has a striking resemblance to uh, a young uh, Craig Elo, so that just pisses him off even more. <laughs> hey, now, I am born and raised in Ohio, and I have been cast in my entire life. I need you to stop that right now. <laughs> Bye. Uh, looks like a... Uh, <laughs> the older Zach Kwiatkowski from uh, um, you're gonna make a yeah, shitty man. reference that no one's gonna get. Look, the, even the joke died. <laughs> it died. It died. It died instead. It took a deep. It took a dark turn. Okay. You, you can't thank Steve, you enough for thank you so much, Steve. You're amazing. Hey, I've got to tell you, that was the most entertaining podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. That means that one day we're going to have you back on, and you're going to be like, oh, these idiots? Yeah, I'll talk to them. That's, yeah, Dude, that's yeah, yeah, that's all we're doing. Shit. This is really it, what we do. The beauty of uh, this, though, I feel like it's just a couple months ago or maybe weeks ago. Now all these social media trolls out there will understand when Richard says that he can't stand Steve Kerr and they take it very serious, the connection yeah. runs much deeper. Yeah. yeah. But I liked it when they didn't know. <laughs> yeah, we like we like it's, the trolls. Well, I don't like the trolls. It's more fun to troll the trolls, isn't it? Uh, whoa, oh, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Channing learned a lesson when he said that Michael Jordan only just uh, only just had to focus on offense. That that kind of did that trolling uh, didn't go well for Channing. Hey, I, did not. hey before we go, I, I gotta tell a Marv Albert story because when please, I was please. doing a game with Marv and, and when when Hendricks was born, Channing, yeah. who were you playing for at the time? Phoenix. Okay. So it was after I left. Uh, yeah. Oh, 2011. Uh, yeah, yeah. 2011. So, yeah. So I left this GM and you got lowballed. And I went. I went <laughs> back to TNT. And and Marv is on on air telling the story about you naming 
your son after the, your elementary school. <laughs> was it your elementary school? No, it was actually Jimi Hendrix. I just happened to go to Hendrix Elementary School. Oh, you just happened to? Okay. Yeah. There was a story about the fact that you that your kid's name had the same name as your elementary school. Okay. Right, 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 right. So, so Marv, who went to, to uh, school in New York City in public school, he, he turns to me and he says, And Steve, I thought briefly about naming my son PS109. <laughs> God, I love Marv. Marv's voice and everything about him. And it's just like, you're, you worked with so many great people. I've sat next to Iron Eagle. And sometimes sitting next to those guys, doesn't it make the job so easy? Legends. Those yeah. Legends. Marv was amazing to work with. Yeah. It makes the job so easy when you work with him. Steve, yeah. you know, I'm with the TNT crew now. So I randomly see... Well, every Thursday I see Shaq, Kenny Charles, you know, Ernie, all those guys. So do they talk I to you? Kenny, do they talk to you? Richard, uh, you're with ESPN. <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk to you. Uh, so, another one. <laughs> I'm sitting in the leather couches. You and them fold out church seats, homie. Yeah, I Look. know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, do, you, you, got a, you got a good gig. I don't Can Dude. you believe they gave Channing a job right away, Steve? I have my own show. <laughs> What's crazy is more relevant than it ever has been. And I can't even do it because people watch like social media and, uh, and regular TV at the same time. Like social media runs what people, what, what people think is hot or what's not. Like Twitter is absolutely amazing when it comes to basketball. But anyways... Yeah, thank uh, you. The TNT family is the best. Steve, we appreciate you. Thank, thank you. So you. Side seat. Yeah, this we love you, Steve. It gets off the rails. You're the best, man. Congratulations on being out the bubble. What are you going to say in Arizona? That could be our finishing. Bear down. Bear down. Bear the fuck down. Bear the fuck down. Another. What are you saying, Toledo? Go Tornadoes.